Good day, folks. This is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ Culture Podcast. I'm at the Agile on the Beach conference in beautiful Tauranga, New Zealand, and I'm sitting down with Lynn Kazali. Lynn, you gave the opening keynote here. Really good to see you again. Obviously, you and I know each other, but I suspect our audience might not. Would you mind just giving us a little bit of your background? Yeah, a little bit of my background. My background is in communications. So I spent a lot of time working with words in my previous roles in industries like health, sport, arts, media, government, training, technology, and became you know connected into the agile community probably about 10, 12 years ago, working at an organisation that had an agile team. And so since then, I've brought a lot of my skills around facilitation, visual thinking, these sorts of good communication and collaboration tools. And that's where some people in the Agile community might know about me, but I don't just hang around here. I also work in a range of different sectors, pretty much anywhere where people need some help, either understanding their thinking or communicating and conveying that thinking or those ideas. So the keynote you gave, interestingly titled about ish. What ish are we talking about? What ish? Well, I think we know ish from words like English and Danish, and it's a suffix, so the last bit of a word. But from about the 1800s into current day, it's become more and more a real word on its own. So we might say to someone, oh, when when did you want to meet up? Oh, six-ish. And it means approximately or somewhat. And we can also use it in the principle of that's good enough. Mm -hmm. So I've lived a life of ish, (laughs) but I think battled with the opposite of ish, which is where we try and go for perfect. Mm -hmm. And we don't always need perfection. We don't always need perfectionism. It's, It's quite dangerous. So the idea of ish is let's look at where we might be able to do things somewhat or near enough or good enough. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of our audience are going to be very technical people, Mm -hmm. technical leaders and influencers very often. And for them, often the concept of good enough is is a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we want that, maybe not absolute perfection, but we want really, really good. Yes. Yeah. And then I'd say, well, what's really, really good? So the idea of we need to define what the standard is that we're going for. Because in our mind, if we want something really good, high standard, high quality, what that means to me could be quite different to what it means to you. So having a definition or standard of quality, and and we do in Agile, we have a definition of done. And that works for the things that we're working on. And I say, why can't we do that? Or why don't we do that in a whole host of other things in our life? At work, of course, but also in our personal lives. So what would a definition of done for dinner with friends look like? (laughs) And what would ish be on dinner with friends? Dinner with friends. So a definition of done, if your partner or friends are hosting friends, rather than just heading off and doing the dinner, which is probably more ish, we'll talk about that in a minute, the definition of done might be talking through well, what are we going to have? Are we going to do three courses or are we going to go out for dinner? Are we going to have wine? Are we getting the best china and the best cutlery out? And then ish might be people come over and we say, you know what, we reckon we might walk around to the local Thai restaurant around the corner and let's have dinner there. So we're still getting fed, we're still together, 
the evenings probably way good enough, but often we overcomplicate things and spend an inordinate amount of time trying to create something that replicates what we're imagining in our mind. So the dinner party with friends, we imagine everyone sitting around, beautiful table, music playing, beautiful lighting, everything perfect. But perfect's unattainable. Perfectionism is, is such a problem today. It's, it's causing us to be depressed, anxious, to work long hours, to put in ridiculous effort on things that don't really matter or don't really count. So for dinner with friends, think about what do we need to do? Feed each other or feed our family or feed our friends and how much effort do we think we need to go to to do that? What's going to be good enough? You say perfectionism is dangerous. Mm. You actually had some interesting statistics in that regard Mm. in the talk. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yes, so there was some research done over the last 10, 20, 30 years, so a longitudinal study, over 41,000-ish people, (laughs) and having a look at the different types of perfectionism and whether they're on the rise or not. And so there were three types identified. The first is where we have high standards for ourselves, and that's on the increase. It's gone up by about 16% over the last however many decades this work's been done. But isn't it okay to have high standards for yourself? Yes, but not towards perfectionism, which is this unrealistic and sometimes obsessive focus on an end result that hasn't been defined. And we will often say to ourselves, oh, I can't share that presentation yet because it's not good enough, or that pitch isn't ready, it's not good enough yet. Mm -hmm. And so as a leader, I'd be wanting to say, well, what's in your mind? What are you trying to go for? What's the standard? What do you believe is good enough? And knowing what that definition is so then you can hit it, you'll know when you're done. So standards of ourselves is on the increase. The second type of perfectionism, though, is our perception that society expects more from us. And this has gone up like 33%. This is the scary one. So we have a perception that society expects us to do better or make it look better. But again, it's conjured up in our mind. We haven't confirmed this. I think it happens a lot in the workplace where perhaps a leader or boss says, want you to do this work and it better be good, you know, it better be really good. And so people slave away for days, hours, weeks, working on something that's really good, but we don't know what that is. So that's a dangerous one because these are perceptions. They're not necessarily true. We need to check what the standard is. And then the third type of perfectionism is when I might have high standards for other people. So you might not just have one flavour, but you could have all three kicking in at different times. So the first one's gone up by 16%. That's high standards for myself. The second one, I believe society has high standards for me. That's gone up 33%. That's high And the third one's only gone up about 10%. That's where I might have high standards for others. So what this is pointing to is we have incredible perceptions that there are requirements that we have to meet, and they're not necessarily so. So we think we have to go for high quality, excellence, high standards. And yes, we do sometimes. We do sometimes. But we also spend a lot of time spinning our wheels and putting effort into things that doesn't really derive a result 
And we know that from things like the law of diminishing returns and the Pareto effect, the 80-20 principle. So there's some science or some economies that confirm for us when we might be, you know, it might be a good idea to press pause, test it, get some feedback and insights on it and then keep working on the next bit and iterate. Sound familiar? Yeah, I've heard something about increments, iteration, some sort of techniques. Yes. Been around, well, been publicised for right. nearly 20 years That's now. Right. And have a, a genesis, of course, a lot earlier than that. Mm. One of the other things that you did was a workshop on sense-making. So, yes. so tell us about sense-making. Yeah, so sense-making is a way of understanding the deeper meaning of what's being talked about or expressed. So you might find yourself in a meeting, everyone's talking, and we're trying to work out what's going on. That's a classic mm-hmm. example of trying to make sense. And so the half-day workshop here was giving people skills to not just draw pictures. It's not about that, but how do you map out information or map out the ideas and the topics that people are talking about? So one of the key cues that I use is to watch people's hand gestures when they're speaking because they're trying to explain something or they're trying to map something out in front of you and they're actually showing you the shape of this idea. They're kind of helping you make sense of it using the best tools they've got, their voice and their face and their hands. So watch their hands, listen to their voice, watch their facial expressions, and then the tools we used were using drawing, sketching shapes and images and words to map out information. It's not Pictionary, you know, it's not guessing games, it's actually how do we get to meaning and understanding quicker. But what if I can't draw? Then we start with words. If you can write, write a few words and we'll put some shapes around them later. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people do, because I've been teaching these sort of visual thinking programs for a number of years, and it's interesting to see the connection between people saying, I can't draw, and them actually being able to draw just 30 minutes later after learning some skills. I think what they really mean is, I can't draw well, or I can't draw as perfectly as I imagine I would like to draw. So we can connect back to ish, that is your sketch is going to be good enough and your perception that it needs to be better is type 1 perfectionism, I have high standards for myself. Or type 2, I couldn't possibly show this because society would expect my visual to be better than this. Whereas they're just fine as they are. You know, cut those two types of perfectionism out and use what you've got. It will be good enough. It will do. It will do enough of the job. Certainly I know for myself, and I sat through that workshop and I've got some of these diagrams, these images that you showed us, and it does feel a little bit uncomfortable. I've got to a point where I can say, I can't draw as well as I would like, but I can at least draw. And that's been honestly a fairly hard journey for me individually but I'm getting there yeah but it is vulnerable to put these things out Mm. and to to share the images Mm. Mm. how do we overcome that I talk about having a gentle share in the workshop when we're learning it so to not expect that you're going to have to sketch information out and then it's going to be plastered on a billboard or shared on social media you can keep them for your own notes 
until you feel a bit more comfortable with it. So more of a gentle share. And to start with some of the more simple and logical imagery, which is shapes, so circles, squares and triangles and logical models like Venn diagrams and graphs and hierarchies, quadrant models that the consulting industry use. So these are very left-brain logical models that serve as powerful sense-making tools. So even if you don't think your drawing's there, then don't draw, but rather think of how you might be mapping out information. And then gentle share, the slower ramp of sharing rather than a huge broadcast of it, gets us used to taking people's feedback or seeing people's responses. And in fact, I don't see anybody being as critical of our work as we are. And so we kind of have to trust our abilities, trust our thinking and our expertise, trust what we're hearing, and therefore trust the skill that we might be still learning. You know, here comes perfectionism again. I'm learning a new skill and I'm expecting myself to be perfect at it immediately. So allow that learning, allow the ramp from a gentle share <laughs> through to, you know, the increments and the iteration of our own learning. Yes, yeah, because... If I look at your drawings that you're doing visual facilitation and putting them up in in conferences Mm. and in front of very large audiences, Mm. I'm not there yet. (laughs) And I'll I'll put a yet into that. It's it's the, uh, let's take a growth mindset. That's right. That's right. So I've been doing it for, what, nine, ten years. Mm -hmm. So we could go, let's talk again in nine or ten years' time. (laughs) But for now, they're good enough. Mm -hmm. They're more functional and practical than if we weren't using visuals at all, if we were just relying on words. So why is that? Why does the visual help us make sense? A few different reasons. One is if you're drawing it live, it fires off mirror neurons in the brain. So it makes people feel like they're having a really high engagement experience, as if they're drawing it themselves, even though they're only watching it. And the second thing relates I think to you know that saying where we say are we on the same page or let's have this meeting to see if we're on the same page but often we don't have a page (laughs) we just sit around and talk so this is creating the page this is creating that thing that what's called a third point of communication so we're not all just looking at each other but we're now looking at the thing that we're talking about and we're able to add information to that And this sort of tool is what makes meetings 25% shorter, makes learning recall about 30% greater. And if you do use it next time you're at a conference or listening to a podcast, you'll have a deeper experience. So greater recall, deeper experience, and you'll ease that load on your brain. You know that feeling of overload, cognitive overload. You'll be easing that pressure and releasing some of that information and then you'll be able to take on more. So it's putting it out on the page. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Then if people want to continue the conversation or explore this further with you, where do they find you? They can find me at linkazaley.com or on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of those social medias, all of them for me are linkazaley. Feel free to have a chat with me and let me know what your questions are. Lynn, thanks very much indeed for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. Thanks, Shane.